God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, today we're going to be talking about Hunter Biden, uh, corruption. Uh, we're going to get into something called asset stripping, uh, something that Rosemont Seneca, uh, a Hunter Biden corporation, was getting involved with with regard to the U.S. Post Office. Uh, the GOP uh, insinuating uh, that there's been money funneling um, re, re, re appropriation, uh, $3.5 billion that was designed to go to uh, victims of terror is finding its way in paying back a lot of Biden cronies. We know that Biden is, you know, really into the crony kind of thing, right? Not not necessarily crony capitalism, yes, but crony uh, politics. And, you know, we've seen that a lot, uh, especially with, um, you know, Chinese influence into the Biden's uh, center at Penn. And then all of a sudden, Amy, Amy Gutman is now the ambassador to Germany. Uh, Blinken is the secretary of state. He was the one that helped cover up and keep the Chinese donations anonymous. I mean, the Biden crime family is the most corrupt family on the planet. And and Biden is perhaps the biggest joke on the planet. And you just wonder how in the world do do we get here? You know, it's it's not like new news. Uh there was a uh comedian back in the uh when they had White House press conferences, uh, White House correspondence dinners. And Biden was the brunt of jokes because of his stupidity. He has no friends, really. No one respects him. You know, when, when Obama came to town the other day, you know, everybody wanted to shake hands with Obama, but nobody really gave two seconds of bother to the guy who supposedly got more votes than Barack Obama. I mean, 
there's just no way that you got eight, you come up with 81 million votes. And already, you know, there's so much that's going on. This FEC, Federal Election Commission nominee, uh, s- signed off on documents where she admits election fraud in 2018 election in Georgia. We have a clip for that. But listen to this uh, White House Correspondents Dinner comedian talk about Joe Biden in 2014 when he was vice president. The vice president isn't here tonight, not for security reasons. He just thought this event was being held at the Dulles Airport Applebee's. Yes, right now, Joe is elbow deep in jalapeno poppers and talking to a construction cone he thinks is John Boehner. Also true. Um, It's crazy to think that Joe Biden is only one heartbeat away from no one taking him seriously as president. Sorry for that one. (laughs) <laughs> that's good stuff that that's back in the day when we used to have civil uh, or some sort of discourse where we could at least talk to each other when president trump came to town of course they decided to make horrible jokes over the press secretary huckabee sanders um it's just personal insult attacks and president trump never bothered to even show up because the coup was in the hoax was being carried out. The Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, the impeachment, this was all serious business. And so, you know, they are fake news. Trump was right every step of the way. And now, all of a sudden, you know, you see Brzezinski and uh, whatever, you know, Morning Joe, Joe Scarborough, talking about how they got it wrong. I'm so sick and tired of them Talking about how they got it wrong, it's it's just ridiculous to listen to them. We got it wrong. Hunter Biden really did do the lap. You know, the laptop's a little totally legit, and the only reason why they're coming out with it is because the New York Times knows other things are looming. There are going to be indictments in Delaware, and there's going to be all kinds of things coming out. They that the, the floodgates have opened because somebody had these documents, FOIA requests, but a lot of researchers on the right managed to get their hands on the data and said, this stuff's coming out one way or the other. You can't kill us all. You can't lock us all up. Meanwhile, uh, there's a federal judge that just uh, came out with a decision that said, it's not illegal if you're walking through a doorway in the Capitol. It's not a crime. If you're welcomed through the doorway and you find yourself in the Capitol, that's actually kind of a big decision because that's most of the people that are sitting there rotting in jail right now by these globalist, socialist, tyrannical pigs in Washington that would lock you up and throw away the key because you're a political dissident. What Gulag, what camp are we in? What century are we living in? I played yesterday the Notre Dame uh, clip. Actually, I got a lot of feedback on that. Uh, People really appreciated that clip. I had played that five years ago. Five years ago, I played that clip. That always inspired me. Anytime I ever, ever saw that scene with respect to the Age of Enlightenment and the freedom of thought, 
I, I always just gravitated toward that's what's happening today. In 1939, they made a movie and they were illustrating that to their very same point. But that, that was a reflection. They were, it was a period piece from the 15th century, France. Now Fringe is going to have their elections this Sunday. And our first interview with regard to the premium section of the Substack, scottadamshow.substack.com, is going to be my interview with Leonor Cravota. We're going to have big guests, though. We're going to have Robert Kennedy Jr. We're going to have uh, a lot of different big guests on uh, when we roll this out. I'm, I'm actually perfecting the uh, presentation as we speak, and that's why we're starting with my, our, our resident guinea pig. Now, we're, ta- we're going to start because it's very, uh, uh, very timely that uh, the French election is this weekend, the first round. Then they have like a jungle election. Um, but Leonora follows French politics quite a bit. And uh, she's going to be a great source for that. And she's writing an article piece on that election. And that election is actually quite important. Just like the politics in Hungary, you know, where they, Orban won an, another term. And that is conservative, you know, as you can get in Europe. So Hungary is, that leadership is is dominating. Italy's a little bit messed up, but for the most part, I see the globalists losing. And this is what this is all about. And this is what we've been talking about. You know, I'm hearing all these words that you and I have been talking about or that we've been saying on the Scott Adams Show for months and months and months. Like, for example, uh, equity, you know. Equity versus equality. You've heard me talk about that for forever. And now equity has become this big, huge word. But we were on that word for a long time because these words have more meaning than just meets the eye. There are so many things that are in play right now that you have to peel that onion. And so today, one of the things we want to talk about something that Tucker, Carl, Tucker Carlson talked about last night. And he was talking about, he was, Greg Sanchez, I think, is the interview that he gave. And uh, it was a pretty good interview. And he was talking about these conservative politicians. And he was basically talking about it and saying, how is it that Mitt Romney, and we read Greg Price's tweet two days ago. Tucker read it last night. I retweeted it two days ago when it came out. And that was in the last, you know, few uh, weeks. Uh, Romney uh, basically uh, endorsed Katanji Brown-Jackson. And he, he did a whole laundry list of things that you would find, you know, very, very reminiscent of a liberal doing. And so it got me to thinking as to why. And and Tucker Carlson never did answer this question. And Greg Sanchez never did answer this question. Or I think his last name is Sanchez. I'm going to, we're going to play the interview anyway. Um, But uh, it's not the question of why is it that liberals always carry the water, and do exactly what you know they, they are expected of, uh, to do. Why is it that 
you know, you get a judge, a, a progressive judge, and that progressive judge always carries the water for the progressives, willingly, due diligently, you know, diligently. And they do the, their due diligence, I should say. But why is that? Why is it that the Republicans, it's sort of like you have to worry every step of the way whether you're going to get stabbed in the back by your own politician. The politician that's supposed to be representative of the people. Why, why is it always so tricky for the Republicans? Why is that? And I got to thinking about it because I'm always looking for the answer as to why, right? Why are these things happening? It's not enough to just know that, you know, hey, you know, you, you, you hired the wrong guy. And again, it's exactly why I've been harping on this J.D. Vance thing. You know, I'm probably the only one that has like a real beef with it. I don't think you're going to hear that. And I have no, nothing, no axe to grind. I, I've been in the room with J.D. Vance. I've met him. I've talked with him. And, and let me tell you something. He's a nice guy. I have no ill will toward J.D. Vance. I just don't like his politics. And I don't like the fact that he trashed Trump. And I don't like the fact that he supported Evan McMullen and he's aligned with Mitt Romney. And I just know that when he becomes senator, if he were to become senator, uh, I, I know two of several things. I know that he didn't get those endorsements without money being change, changing hands. So people have been selling out. That's number one. Number two, I know that when he gets into the Senate, if he ever makes it there, and by the way, look, I'm talking about it now because it's a primary season coming up. After the primary, if he becomes the uh, primary, the, the Republican candidate in Ohio, yes, I would endorse him at that point too. Because he's got to be better. He's definitely better than a liberal. And so there you are. But there's no doubt about it. Right now, I don't think he's the right candidate to carry the torch for the Republican Party for that Senate seat in Ohio. And I just know that if he wins the Senate seat and gets elected as a senator for a six-year term, he's going to align himself with Mitt Romney. And this is the problem I have with it. And so, you um, you know, Tucker was talking last night about all these different conservative candidates and why they become so woke. And he was playing these clips, you know, from the Utah governor, you know, wearing a mask and you talking about pronouns and doing all kinds of things. And I just thought, that's odd, right? And why is it that we have, we're stuck with Liz Cheney? Liz Cheney is a, is a congresswoman that represents the reddest state in the country, Wyoming. And the other reddest state in the country is Utah. And so why do they have a Mitt Romney or the governor of Utah? Why are they so woke and why are they so left? And, you know, Murkowski in Alaska. Alaska is not, not a blue state. And so many other candidates come to mind where, you know, and then you, you take a look at someone like DeSantis, where, you know, Florida is still a pretty tight state. He has to compete for every vote. So why is it that the reddest states are producing some of the most miserable Republicans, like a Mitt Romney or a Liz Cheney or 
something like that. They're Wyoming and Utah. They're ruby red. How about Cassidy from Louisiana? Um, you know, and a lot of others. I can go down a long list. And I was asking the question. The question that needed to be answered is why? And when you listen to these audio clips, you're not going to get, you're going to get the observation that this has happened and that we need to do better due diligence when we elect our officials. But I don't really think that's the answer. I think that the voters are being sold a bill of goods, but then these politicians are flipping. And now I figured out what my theory is on what the answer is. And my theory on what the answer is is because the corporations, the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, the globalists, the multinational corporations, things we've been talking about and making, uh, you know, making our living off of. I mean, the things we've been really pounding away at on this show are the things I think that are really mattering right now. And that is that these corporations are who the Republicans have to answer to. Because if they're going to compete and they're if they're going to get reelected, they're going to need money. And it made me think a little bit about, like, say, Magapac or Red State. You know, we're smaller... And we need we need donations to do big things. And a lot of times, you know, the shiny object gets, you know, the people that are endorsing J.D. Vance, for example, are getting bigger donations, say, than we are. And I think that we're doing the right things. I don't think they are. But they're getting, they're the shinier object and they get the bigger donations. And boy, what you know, the things we could do if we had more resources. And that's why it's so important to you know, support organizations that are supporting shows like this over at magapack.org. You know, we go commercial free here because we're driving home a message, we're analysts, we're all about the content, and we throw in a couple of little things to remind you of things that we want you to do to help support us. But these shiny objects are getting the money or getting the resources or getting the love or getting the platform or getting the stage. And that's, the, that's capitalism. That's the way it works. Now, I understand that. But the point is, is that they're oftentimes doing the wrong thing because they're answering to the money. And the money is controlled by the corporations. The corporations are multinational corporations. Ultimately, the biggest companies are multinational corporations. What does multinational mean? It means globalism. It means that somehow they're getting their stuff from other resources, you know, around the world. They answer to a worldwide picture. And so uh, we're going to take this call. We're going to take this call in just a second. But, um, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, flip that. Uh, we're we're going to be taking this call in just a moment, but um, I, I just want to finish this thought and say that uh, 
these corporations are controlling that. And so there's there's politicians just like there's there are musicians, singer-songwriters. You could take it to any category. But there let's just talk about politics. There's politicians that um aren't getting the big donations and they're not getting the ads and they're not getting the airtime because they're speaking the truth and the big corporation corporate media is not going to give them the space. They're not going to give them a chance. They're going to put JD Vance on for sure. But they're not going to put some smaller candidate on uh that that is actually speaking truth to power because they don't represent the globalist agenda. And it's the globalist agenda that's supported by companies like BlackRock, who own companies like MSNBC, CNN, and so on and so forth. And so there lies the problem, is that the globalist agenda is inherently a liberal agenda. So when a Republican does make it into office, they have to answer to corporate powers. And those corporate powers are driven by liberals like uh, Larry Fink from BlackRock who wants to control your behavior. So, caller, you're on the air. Hello, this is just really quick. Um, I just noticed this morning on both of my computers I cannot get into your show. I had to use a different system altogether. One One computer is basically controlled by Bing and the other one by Google. And they have kind of wiped your site off of the uh, internet. I just thought you'd be interested in knowing that. If you don't get any call-ins, that's probably why. Wow. Okay. That's good to know. I'll look into that. Yeah, censorship is alive and well. Thank you, Todd. Keep doing what you're doing. All right. Thank you. Okay. Well, that's unfortunate. See, (laughs) they don't like what we're doing. Trust me. But uh, I do see a lot of love, too. And we are getting a lot of follows. We're get on on uh, our our Getter account, which is reactivated. Um, we're get, we're getting a lot of um, feedback. We have a tremendous amount of listeners. Our biggest um, our biggest base of listeners is is right here on uh, the Scott Adams Show, and uh, you know our live program. The, the live program that we produce is where we get most of our buzz. It's, and, and we get it from social media too, but, you know, the live show gets a lot of great feedback. And we want to thank our syndicated partners and everybody else in between. But, um, yeah, so that is an interesting concept, is that the Republicans, the Democrats don't, when they get into office, they could live their truth. They basically carry water for the corporations, and the corporations' interests are in line with the Democrat policies. Do you understand what I just said? And so it's easy for them to stay true to their track of, you know, and not deviate from the plan because their plan is in line with the corporate plan. The corporate media, the woke corporations, the corporations that support Black Lives Matter, because they're supporting a globalist agenda. And it's this globalist agenda that's really at stake, and and it's, it's the centerpiece of the conflict in Ukraine and Russia. 
I mean, it's the centerpiece of just about everything that we're doing. All this redistribution of wealth is a socialist construct. It's a, it's a globalist construct. Globalism and socialism are one and the same. Hitler pales into comparison in, in a lot of ways. Maybe not with regard to the uh, gassing of the Jews, but globalism has killed a lot of people too with their COVID and, and with a lot of other things. And they've used every crisis. They use every crisis they can. They exploit every crisis they can for opportunity and gain. I think that they're enticing Putin to walk into those traps. And he walks into those traps and guess what happens? They create this chaos and confusion. There's a great meme and I posted it up yesterday and I thought it was just a lovely meme. And I'm going to read it to you now. But um, it is this one. It is, uh, let's see. Okay, I'm on my phone. Oh, this one This one here is not the one that says, Build Back Better brought to you by people who never built anything. That's a pretty cool meme right there, right? But here, check this meme out. This is the meme I wanted to find for you. It says, if you allow government to break the... Now, pay attention to this, okay? This is a profound meme. If you allow the government to break the law for an emergency, they will create emergencies to break the law. Now, I'm going to read that again because it's radio, it's audio, and if you missed part of it, you'll miss the point. And I know most of you got the point by now, but if you allow the government to break the law for an emergency, you know, like COVID, right? Emergency law powers. Trudeau did it with the truckers, right? You know, so if you allow government to break the law for an emergency, they will create emergencies to break the law. And, you know, Gavin Newsom was doing that with regard to forest fires. He was getting, you know, basically they were setting fires and then they were getting all this federal emergency funds and then they were using and misappropriating the misappropriating those funds to bail out their train dream of the train system that never got off the rail got on the rails never got on the rails right and stuff like that you know they were basically using those emergency funds to bail themselves out and that's exactly what they've been doing with the covid funds you know they would send them to the border but they wouldn't they wouldn't build a wall or the, or the wall funding, right? There was funding for the wall that was already voted upon and agreed upon. And now they're taking that wall funding and they're spending it on the wall, but with consultants and, and beautification and setting up parks to make it nicer for the people to, you know, and to buy them cell phones. That's the new one, Right. So, you know, Steve, Steve Ducey, Peter Ducey, uh, Steve Ducey's son, asks Jen Psaki, and she says, he says, well, who's to say that they wouldn't throw them away? And she, her response, real agitated, was an arrogant, was, would you throw your cell phone away? <laughs> yeah, if it was used to track me, and I didn't, you know, how hard would it be, that instead of using ankle bracelets, 
they're basically giving them cell phones and they're saying, keep this cell phone. We, we, we track you with this. They're giving them a free cell phone to illegals. Unbelievable. And then they could throw the cell phone away and not be tracked. Who's to say they won't throw the cell phone away? And Jen Psaki was annoyed by the question. It's absolutely absurd. And of course, um, Gomer, uh, Congressman Gomer, or was it uh, Senator Kennedy? I think it may have been Senator Kennedy. Said, you're either boneheadedly stupid or you're, you're actually intention, you're, you're supporting an open border system. And doing away with Title 42 and, and opening the borders like they are, they support an open border system. And we've already put, played on tape, you know, how Biden's agenda is to change the demographics and make the uh, United States a, a multinational, multicultural uh, country. You know, it's not working, folks. You know, anytime you try to change the demographics so quickly, you're, you're going to run into problems. It's just, it's not the way people evolve. It's not the way people live their lives. And this, uh, there's a really great article I posted up on my social media about multinational, the failures of multinational corporation, uh, multiculturalism, the failures of multiculturalism. And, uh, so, you know, there, there is, there is that. Let's see, I was going to see if I could find that article. Um, but in any case, I'm going to go ahead and play some of these clips, get these out of the way so we don't run out of time before we get to. All right. So this is the one, this is the, the first clip. This is the short version of of what Tucker was talking about with regard to these woke capitalists, uh, woke politicians answering to woke capitalists. Again, the difference, the, the, the reason why Democrats find it easy to stay on track with their political agenda is because their political agenda is aligned with, uh, aligned with woke capitalism, woke corporate leaders, like Larry Fink from BlackRock, who wants to control your behavior, who believes in globalism, and who supports the multinational corporations' access to slave labor, open borders, and unions, and things like that. So, uh, Larry Fink, you know, we've played that clip about wanting to control your behavior several, several times. And so, the one thing you're not going to hear in this presentation from Tucker and also from uh, his the, the 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 person he was interviewing is you're not going to hear that that analysis that I just gave you. That was my own analysis uh, and, and theory on why it is that the Republicans flip flop so often. Uh, and it was Greg Price that wrote this, and he said. Mitt Romney's last few weeks confirmed Katenji and Brown Jackson voted against repealing TSA mask mandates, didn't show up to vote uh, defunding Biden vaccine mandate, and accused Tulsi Gabbard of treason for opposing war in Ukraine. 
But let's take a listen to uh, this is a short two minute version of Trump uh, of of uh, Tucker Carlson's open. Let's take a listen. That doesn't seem fair to the state of Utah, but it's not just Spencer Cox. Utah's junior Senator Mitt Romney has also decided he's tired of representing the people of Utah. So instead, he's speaking for his neighbors in the state of California, where he lives a lot of the time. Less than a year ago, this is an amazing example. It was just June of 2021. Mitt Romney voted against the nomination of Kentaji Brown-Jackson to the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Okay, he thought she wasn't qualified. Now, this week, Mitt Romney announced that he is supporting the same person's confirmation to the Supreme Court. Huh? She was unqualified for a lower court, but a perfect choice for the Supreme Court? How does that work? Here's Mitt Romney to explain. In the uh, prior confirmation, uh, I was concerned that she was outside the mainstream. Uh, and as a result of our meeting for an hour together and reviewing her uh, testimony before Congress, I became convinced that she's within the mainstream. She's also highly qualified, intelligent, capable person, and I uh, wish her the very best. <laughs> oh, so she's now in the mainstream. She wasn't less than a year ago, but now she's fully in the mainstream. So here's what it took for Mitt Romney to finally support Kentonji Brown-Jackson. He learned in the course of Supreme Court confirmation hearings that she gave lenient sentences to child pornographers. Mitt Romney apparently didn't know that last year, hence the vote against her. Now that he knows that Kentonji Brown-Jackson has disregarded sentencing guidelines to benefit kitty pornographers, it's a yes for Mitt Romney. That's the junior senator from the state of Utah. And as with Spencer Cox, this is not a one-time aberration. Reporter Greg Price summarized Mitt Romney's past few weeks this way, quote, confirmed Kentaji Brown-Jackson voted against repealing TSA mask mandate, didn't show up to vote defunding Biden vaccine mandate, accuses Tulsi Gabbard of treason for opposing the war in Ukraine. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, I like Greg Price. He follows me on Twitter and he retweets my stuff uh, and he likes a lot of my tweets. So it's it's good. I like him. He's a, a producer uh, over at Tucker. That doesn't Carlson. seem fair to the state of Utah, uh, but it's not just Spencer Cox. That's not the clip. Hold on. Let's take a listen to this now. This is um, I'll give you his name in just a moment. To assess this trend. Pedro, thanks so much for coming on. I. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like the Republicans who spend the least amount of time even trying to represent their voters are in the strongest Republican states. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And it's a real problem. And it raises a lot of important questions. And I think Pedro Spencer Gundel Cox's case is very illustrative of this. Pedro Gonzalez is the gentleman's name. And he writes, he's associate editor for Chronicles. So let's take a listen. are in the strongest Republican states. Right, right. Yeah, that's true, and it's a real problem, and it raises a lot of important questions. And I think Spencer Cox's case is very illustrative of this relationship between woke capital and progressive ideology. You know, what explains the bizarre behavior of guys like Cox and Romney who consistently side with the people who want to sexualize our children, these yeah. so-called groomers? Well, like you pointed out, it actually tends to pay pretty well. For example, Cox's financial disclosures from last year show that Zion's Bain Corporation is his biggest corporate donor. Zion has a friendly relationship with Troy Williams, the executive director of Equality Utah, an LGBT advocacy organization. 
Now, Williams thinks, and he's right, that with the help of woke capital, states like Utah, regardless of the will of the constituents there, will eventually come into alignment with LGBT ideology just as a matter of the amount of money and influence that these corporations have. Last year, Williams received a $600,000 donation from tech billionaire Jeff Green, the richest man from Utah, on the same day that Green announced his resignation from the LDS Church. Williams calls these, uh, these types of donations tithing, because even the secular cannot escape religion, right? And of course, Cox has warmly welcomed the influence of woke capital in his state. But regardless of motive, whether it's idealism or cynicism, it's important to remember that when guys like Cox and Mitt Romney get their way, families lose. Because these people are siding with those who would prey upon our children, whether it comes down to critical race theory or their sexualization. And ultimately, this grassroots battle for our kids is a war for the future. Well, that's exactly right. And I just really quick, is there, I mean, are there any Republican governors, maybe uh, apart from DeSantis, who just look at the polls once in a while and say, you know, what do my voters want me to do? They put me here to do something. What is it? And that's knowable. And then, like, try to do that. Uh, and it doesn't seem that hard. It doesn't seem that hard to us, but it does seem to be extremely difficult for most Republicans. They don't do anything unless you basically push them in that direction, unless you hold their feet to the fire. It really cannot be stressed enough that Republicans are not your friends. At critical moments, at pivotal junctures, they will stab you in the back like Spencer Cock tried to do. But thankfully, Utah seems like one of these rare examples where there is a large, a growing contingency of Republican lawmakers who are at least proceeding from the understanding that I need to do what my constituents yes. want me to do in order for me to, to fulfill my role in office. Not a lot of Republicans are getting that message, and that is why grassroots, the parents' rights movement, the movement to protect our children, they need to understand that, yes, Democrats are crazy and kooky and, and bad and all that, but the reason that you seem to be spinning your wheels all the time is because the GOP is stabbing you in the back. It's certainly noticeable. Pedro Gonzalez, thank you for that. Now, see, what you just heard is the observation, but what you did not hear is the why. See, all along I was watching that interview and I was like, why? Why is that, though? Why? And the only answer I could come up with was the why is very much uh, a, a systematic thing uh, with regard to corporate power. It's the corporate power influence. That's the why. And that's the problem. That is a real problem. And um, so we need to fix that. And the way you would fix it, really, is to prioritize, you know, corporate donors. Like, like sort of like what they're doing with regard to uh, Zuckerbucks in a lot of these states and cities where there was a lot of election fraud, where Mark Zuckerberg's fingerprints were all over it. So that would be one thing, right? Um, but uh, was that? I'm having a little bit of com a little bit of a systematic uh, problem with my system, but you know, we're we're fixing it. Um, that's why it's a little bit distracting. Um, in any case, yeah. So the the you got to address the 
you got to first ask the question uh, of why, and then you have to first address that question, but then you have to answer it as well. You have to fix the problem. So we don't want to, to deal with this again. Corporate power, corporate greed, corporate politics. And, you know, it wouldn't have been so bad if corporations from decades ago, you know, that didn't really have that much political influence or that much political sway, um, they, they weren't strong-arming. Uh, but now they control speech. They control messaging. They control everything. And that's, that's the real problem now is that they control way too much. And, uh, and that becomes the real, real challenge. Uh, trying to fix this problem. In any case, we have to, we have to address that, that situation very quickly. All right. So there's a couple of, there's a lot of other articles that I wanted to get to today. And, um, so we're going to go through them a little bit uh, and just gloss over them uh, because there are subjects that I've posted that I'm going to be covering in more detail in the days and weeks to come. But um, this one here, it says, Federal judge finds J6 defendant not guilty uh, nuking DOJ charges that walking through an open door is a crime. The reason why that's important is because... Uh, that sets precedence. Most of the people that are sitting and rotting in jail right now are guilty of just that. So, again, a federal judge, federal, finds J6 defendants not guilty. Nu- and this basically nukes DOJ's charges that walking through an open door is a crime. I, I you know, that that is going to go a long way in freeing a lot of different people. And then the other uh, article over at the Federalist, this was also the Federalist, did did Biden funnel $3.5 billion payout away from terror victims and toward ex-staff? A trio of House Republicans is investigating whether the Biden administration improperly steered funds destined to compensate victims of terrorism to a former Biden official owned post-employment coffers. In February, President Joe Biden issued an executive order allocating $3.5 billion in seized assets from the Afghanistan Central Bank be held within the Federal Reserve Bank of New York as opposed to the U.S. Victims of State-Sponsored Terrorism Fund, VSST Fund, where such funds might typically be held. The fund established by Congress in 2015 sets money aside to compensate victims who suffered from entitlement and entities designated by the United States as the state sponsors of terrorism, such as the Taliban. So that's an interesting dynamic. <clears throat> and so they're going to be looking into that. And every time they look into something related to the Bidens, guess what they find? They find a treasure trove of stuff. So the GOP senators released more receipts showing the depths of the Biden family profiteering with foreign enemies. You know, you got Patrick Ho, you got the CFC, CEFC, uh, 
you got all these different um, entities of all these different things where, you know, uh, you have, you, we found that um, uh, Hunter Biden was receiving hundreds of thousands of dollars um, per month, you know, from China. Not just the $83,000 a month from Ukraine. Jonathan Turley uh, weighed in on this. Let's take a listen. The fact is that these media outlets had no choice uh, but to pivot because there is a serious risk. Whoops. Now, of an indictment coming out of Delaware. That indictment, very likely, if it does come out, uh, would cite evidence from the laptop. So these, they had to make this pivot uh, in anticipation of that risk. But it has left this real unintelligible position. You know, they're willing to recognize the authenticity of the laptop now, but they don't really want to talk about what's on the laptop, mm. which are hundreds and thousands of emails and pictures, some of which refer to the President of the United States. And what's really odd about this new narrative, which is not just coming from the White House, but from the same media outlets, is that maybe Hunter Biden did engage in a multi-million dollar influence peddling scheme. Maybe he did commit crimes, but it has nothing to do uh, with the president. Well, that's just not true. I mean, the, the, these emails refer to the president. They use code names like the big guy or Celtic. In one email, uh, a person is warned not to use the president's name. Uh, but more concerning are references to accounts that might have paid some money uh, to the president and paying off bills or taxes. There's a reference to an office that he that the president and first lady would use that is allegedly funded by a Chinese firm. All of those are connections to the president. Doesn't mean the president committed crimes, but the suggestion that there's no connection is perfectly bizarre. We've got Ron Klain, chief of staff to President Biden, saying he's confident that Hunter did the right thing, his <laughs> words, uh, as this federal investigation heats up. And you've got the president himself, not shockingly, still standing by his son. So where does that leave the DOJ? Well, it puts them in an untenable position because you have this absolute defense from the White House Attorney General Merrick Garland has refused to appoint a special counsel. I have no idea how he has reached that conclusion. Now, the U.S. Attorney in Delaware may be aggressive. He may, in fact, indict Hunter Biden. But there is a serious appearance, if not a real conflict of interest here. It's impossible to investigate these emails without running across the president repeatedly. And so how do you do that as the Justice Department under this president? The case for a special counsel is absolutely clear here. But the White House is going to have trouble with this new narrative. The, uh, you know, the, Hunter Biden may be many things, but he is certainly not without blame. I mean, this was a raw and open influence peddling scheme worth millions of dollars. And the Biden family is known for influence peddling. They have been accused of influence peddling, including the uncle or brother of the president, for years. Uh, that's not doing the right thing. That is something that is a core and, and, and very common practice of corruption in Washington, D.C. Absolutely. And you know what else? Uh, 
it was uh, Ivanka, for example, got uh, Secret Service detail when she was living in D.C. during the Trump administration, where it was costing about $3,500 a month. Um, and and here, with uh, Hunter Biden living in Malibu, they're, they're, they're renting a $30,000 a month property. You know, that's that's theft in and of itself. And then there's questions. And by the way, this came up in a question to Jen Psaki uh, regarding office mates. So what did did by, you know, because in the landlord has a note saying, get keys for Joe Biden for his office and his office mates. And she denied it. She's no, they were never office mates despite the fact that the evidence indicates that they were designated to be office mates at the very least. Then Fox News came out with something that says, Biden wrote college recommendation letter for son of Hunter's Chinese, um, let's see. Well, let's see. I'm, I'm having some trouble. I'm having real trouble with my uh, system right now. But Biden, um, and it's a little bit, distracting but biden wrote a college recommendation letter for son of hunter's chinese business partner emails reveal now here's the thing biden you know said i never talked to my son about the business well of course he did this is a lie that they told that they're exposed on biden's recommendation letter for chinese executives the answer that jen saki gave to this when she was asked about this question was well, he wasn't president at the time. He was a private citizen. He could do anything he wants. Biden's recommendation letter for Chinese executive son was sent directly to Brown's University of Brown, Ivy League, president, email says. In 2017, <clears throat> President Biden wrote a college recommendation letter for the son of a Chinese executive who did business with Hunter Biden, according to emails reviewed by Fox News Digital. The president has repeatedly denied discussing Hunter's business ventures with his son. Fox News Digital obtained emails between Hunter Biden and his business associates involved in the uh, firm Rosemont Seneca joint venture with Chinese investment firms Bohide Capital and BHR. Of course, you know, we know that guy Bukowski uh, who said, you know, basically it was all about the big guy. So we understand that was going on as well. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot of different articles that are coming out right now. Uh, one of the sources uh, that's covering a lot of this, the National Pulse. Check out the nationalpulse.com. Great set of resources there. This is an older article. It says Hunter Biden's $1 million contract with spy chief of China, uh, Patrick Ho, right? And just a few of their titles, because we're not going to have time to get into, delve into each one. But um, a lot of these titles are really riveting. Now, this one's about Fauci. Fauci colleague offered to secretly erase a COVID-19 paper containing data hidden by China. It happened during an extremely contentious Zoom call, which saw scientists yelling at each other. All right. And then this article here is about Hunter. Uh, love this idea. Hunter Biden's firm wanted to 
asset strip the U.S. Post, Postal Service. Email reveals. What's asset stripping? <clears throat> the practice of taking over a company in financial difficulties and selling each of its assets separately at a profit without regard to the company's future. Isn't that like what Bain Capital did, Mitt Romney? Isn't that what uh, they did with COVID? We were talking about this last week. The globalists want to take over the world, and the globalists want to do away with our Constitution, and the globalists want to kill off the elderly <clears throat> with their COVID and their vaccines. And what better way to do it than to cut, you know, like, like if you were to, a corporate raider, you go in, you grab a corporation, you get rid of all the expensive employees who are usually older, just before their retirement golden parachute and their gold watch, just before that you cut them and <clears throat> you take it over, you break up the corporation into pieces and you sell it off. Well, that's in essence what the globalists are doing right now. They're raiding this country, making it broke and destitute. They're watering it down. They're opening the borders. They're, they're, they're taking all the money and putting it in their pockets. They're going to sit there at the top and control the world with it. And they're purposefully creating these emergencies and chaos, just like the Patriot Act became an opportunity for them to exploit, right? Well, this Russia-Chinese alliance is going to create a necessity for the globalists on the West and the Five Eyes partners and everything else in between. And they're going to basically say, well, look, they're too powerful. They're an existential threat. They have the hypersonic uh, weapons, right? They can kill us. We need a stronger alliance. And so therefore, we're going to become this big, huge monopoly to where your politicians aren't going to represent you. They're going to be answering at the feet of uh, the globalists in Brussels, at the UN, and elsewhere. And so no longer you're going to have the representation. You're going to pay as much in taxes, if not more, but you're going to have less representation. And so, and you're going to have less identity and you're going to give up your sovereignty. And this is what's in play right now with the war in Ukraine. And I think it's by design that they're pushing Russia and China together and pushing the currencies outside of the U.S. dollar and doing all those things that are going to jeopardize our future. And they're building this new world order structure that's going to make it bigger monopolies and less rights for you and me. So beware of that, okay? And pay, we're paying attention to it. Hey, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out our Substack over at scottadamshow.substack.com. Check out magapack.org. Find out what we're doing about America First policies. And use Red State over at mypillow.com. And we'll see you next time on the radio. We're a stand, the mound's getting steeper. And grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.